Well, today we're wrapping up our series entitled Love Does, where we've been looking at how love takes action. Love has movement, it has initiative, it has capacity. We've looked at how we need to love God by loving people. Our mission here at Westover is follow Jesus, love people. Say it with me. Follow Jesus, love people. What that means is that if we really say that we follow Jesus, the extension of following Jesus should be to love other people. I believe God's challenging us today to put love into action. For you see, love must be lived out. But I want to I want to hone in on one thought today, and it's simply this. Love makes an impact. Say it with me. Love makes an impact. If you see, if it's truly love, it makes an impact. Now, husbands, you know, love makes an impact. If you've got kids, you know that love makes an impact. It's intended to impact our hearts and the hearts of other people. Love must be lived out. We must take initiative to make sure that love moves forward. It's as the adage says, nothing happens if nothing happens. Love requires action from us for it to be really lived out. And so I want to invite you to join me in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at God's word and discover how love makes an impact. This passage of scripture was written by a guy by the name of John. He was one of the first followers of Jesus. He spent three and a half years with Jesus, day in, day out, witnessing the life of Jesus. We know this, that John was considered the beloved disciple, and he was the one who Jesus really loved. He was Jesus' best friend. And he had a front row seat to see how Jesus gave voice to the voiceless, how he saw those who were invisible, and how he advocated for the poor, the helpless, and the rejected. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for a God that loves the down and out because there's been moments in my life that I've been down and out. And I just say, thank you, God, for loving me, whether I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley. Because love makes an impact. And that's what Jesus did. He came to earth to make an impact in our lives. So let's look at the word of God together. 1 John chapter 4, open up your Bible, your Westover app. Let's look at the word of God together. We're starting with verse 18 through 20. And I just want you to put on the glasses of faith here and see how God would speak to us through his word about how love makes an impact. Verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. He continues in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Aren't you grateful for that? He loved because... We love because he first loved us. It goes on in verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen and uh, cannot love God whom they have not seen. What John is saying here is that love needs to make an impact. It needs to make uh, an effort to move forward. We must put faith in action. I believe today that we have an opportunity because this is our one day to feed the world weekend. We've been planning all month for this moment. At the end of our service, we're gonna gather together joyously as a community of faith to give hopefully one day's wage to make an impact in the life of a child every day. And I just wanna leave you with this thought. Imagine what God could do through us. 
Let God awaken a God-sized dream in your heart. Imagine the impact that we can make and how we can live out God's love with people. Today, I want to share with you three ways love makes an impact. Three ways love makes an impact. Number one, love removes fear. Say it with me. Love removes fear. Verse 18 says this, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. What John is saying in this passage is that love and fear are spiritual opposites. They don't coexist together. They don't mix. They are like oil and water. They just don't mix. And you see this passage and you think about our earthly love, but I want us to think about the love of God. For you see, perfect love is not love that we have the capacity to give because we're human, but God is love. In fact, that's what John says a couple verses earlier. He says that God is love. The perfect love that we need in our life is the love of God. And here is the good news. It says that perfect love drives out fear. I want to highlight this word drives out because in other translations, it's, it's the words that are used there are cast out. This word cast out that's translated in the English is the same word that is used by the gospel writers when they describe how Jesus casted out demons, how he had authority over demonic forces, how he had authority over all fear and all, all anxiety and all worry. And I'm here to tell someone today, if you just invite Jesus into your life, he'll have all authority over depression, anxiety, panic attacks, fear, insecurity, uh, personal struggles, strife and conflict in the family. Jesus is over everything because he is the perfect love we need. And if you're struggling today, just invite Jesus in and let him have all authority over all fear in your life. Today, we have an opportunity to get rid of fear in the lives of other people. For you see, there are millions of people around the world who have fear of food insecurity. They wake up every morning worried, will I have enough to eat? There are parents who wake up every morning and wonder, do I have enough to feed my kids? Imagine the tension and the struggle of a family only having just a little bit. And what often happens is parents don't pick between their kids. They actually feed their kids and they end up going hungry. But right now, today, we have the opportunity to abolish that fear, to allow the perfect love of God to come through our life. We have the opportunity to resource children around the world through Convoy of Hope. And when we give today and we give through Convoy, we're ensuring that food, food security is present in the lives of people. We're able to remove that fear from people. I want you to know that Jesus has a heart for the poor. Why? Because Jesus grew up poor. At least in the very formative years of his life, he grew up poor. How do we know that? Well, we know that because when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to God, the offering that they gave to God were two turtle doves. In that time, there, were, there was a requirement that when you dedicated your child unto the Lord, which in fact today, parents are gonna be doing that in just a moment, 
what they did is they would take an offering unto God. And the first offering that was an option was a goat or a sheep. But parents who were poor, they would offer two turtle doves. But here's what they did. They gave anyways. They gave anyways because they wanted to honor God. But then we fast forward a couple months and what we discover is that there's these three wise men who come and they offer gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this came at just the right time because right after that, Herod issues a decree to try to kill all the, all the children in, Beth, in Bethlehem and in the surrounding region because he wanted to kill Jesus. And Mary and Joseph were able to take those resources and to find freedom from fear. They were able to run away and save Jesus. But here's what I want us to notice in these two cases. Was God didn't measure the size of the gift. He measured the willingness to give. Both Mary and Joseph were willing to give to God. And the wise men as well. And so we just need to show up and be willing to give and believe that God's going to provide the increase. I want to remind you what Proverbs 19 verse 17 says. It says this. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. What it means here is that when we're generous to the poor, we lend to God and God will repay us with interest. He's relying on us to lend to the poor. What a blessing, what a privilege we have to partner with God with what he's doing in the world, to say, God, you have a vision and a purpose for what you want to accomplish in your kingdom. And we're able to say, God, I'm going to show up. I'm going to provide. I'm going to step in. I'm going to resource. I'm going to give. I'm going to support your vision. And we get that opportunity to do that today. just want to encourage us, lean in to what God has. Here's the second way love makes an impact. Love turns skeptics into believers. Yep. Love turns skeptics into believers. It says this in verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. Just like fear, just like fear and love cannot coexist, loving God and hating our brother or sister that can't coexist either. They're mutually exclusive. They cannot coexist. They just don't mix. We must find ways to love God by loving other people. Now you hear this word hate that John uses. And I know some of us were like, oh my goodness, John, you use the word hate? That's kind of a strong word. And many of us, I think we're thinking, you know what? I really don't hate anybody, right? I really don't hate anybody. And so we feel like, wow, that's kind of a strong word. But we need to understand a little bit of the context here. John is writing a letter to new believers. And he's saying to them, if you really love God, then love other people. But the other thing that he's saying to people in that culture was this, was that uh, pay attention to the life of other believers as well. Because in that time, there were religious people who said that they loved God, but they looked down on those who were poor. They looked down on those who were less fortunate. The Bible calls them Pharisees. You've heard about them before. They would look down on the poor. They would reject those who were sick and infirmed. They felt that they were so good and everybody else was below them. And so what John is saying is that if you really love God, you can love other people. But he's also making a comment about the religious culture in that time. But John 
is a master here. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he uses a word that has multiple meanings. This word hate is the word hate. When we think about hating an enemy or hating the devil. But this word hate that's translated hate can also mean to decrease someone in status, to disregard or overlook someone, to avoid or reject someone because they're less than, or just to love people a little bit less. And the point that John is making here is this. If we say we love God, but we overlook, we disregard, we reject, or even just love people a little bit less, then we don't have the full expression of God's love in us. For you see, love must be expressed. It must be shown in both ways. I want to share with you two truths that come from this passage that we see in this passage. Number one, love must be expressed both vertically and horizontally. Vertically and horizontally. If we love God, then we must also love people. This is a spiritual double requirement. It's not an either or, it's a both and. It's an if then statement. It says that if we love God, then we must fulfill these two requirements, love God and love people. And so this is the first principle here. Love must be expressed both vertically and horizontally. Second truth, love must be proven to be believed. Say proven with me. Love must be proven to be believed. There must be an outward demonstration of our inward devotion. Let me put it to you this way. If we say it, we must show it. Now, husbands, you know what I mean. If I say that I love my wife, but I don't show it, then am I being honest? No. If I say, you know what? I know your birthday's coming up, but I don't do anything for her. That's not good, right? If the, if the anniversary is coming up and I don't do anything for the anniversary, guess what? I'm in the doghouse. This is exactly what God is saying here. We must say it and we must show it. For you see, we, we're, we live in a world that's skeptical about faith. They're skeptical about this person of Jesus. They're wondering, who's Jesus? Why should I believe in him? Why should I give up the things that I really enjoy to follow Jesus? But they're also wondering, how is it that Jesus has changed the life of a believer? How are they any different than all of us? The world needs to see that we're different. Not that we're better because we're sinners saved by grace. But the world needs to see that there's something different about us. And what it is is that we love God and we love people. We must prove our love. And here's what we see from this passage, when we love people, we prove to a skeptical world that we truly love God. It is proof. Paul put it this way. Some of you say you have faith and some of you say you have works, but I'll show you my faith by my works. Paul is saying we need to put feet to our faith. We need to prove our faith in Jesus Christ. We get that opportunity to do that. And you know, Westover, you all have been so generous. Time and time again, whenever we presented a need, you have stepped up and you've proven your love to God. Over the, over the course of this year, we've given $30,000 to Convoy of Hope for disaster relief, whether it was in Ukraine or hurricanes here in the US or in Puerto Rico. You guys have been generous and empowered us to be able to give gift cards 
to teachers so they didn't have to go into their pockets to resource their, their classrooms. Last year, because of your generosity, we're able to feed over 1,400 kids this year every day. We have proven our love to God, but God is inviting us once again. Will you be willing to prove your love today, here and now? I hope you do. Here's the third way love makes an impact. Love sets the table. Love sets the table. Verse 19 and 21 says this. We love because he first loved us. I included verse 21 because I think there's a thought here that's important for us to catch. It says this. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Verse 19 tells us that God has given us the capacity to love people. Because he's done it for us, we have the capacity to do it for others. Because he loved us, we can love him and we can love other people. Because he has loved us, we're able to speak life over people. Because he's spoken life over us, we can speak life over other people. Because he's been generous to us by giving us his son, we have been able and empowered to be generous to other people. We have the capacity. That's what verse 19 says. But verse 21 it's a command. That doesn't mean it's, an, it's not an option. It's not multiple choice. It's a biblical requirement. I'm not saying this. This is what the word of God is saying. We must love other people. We must let love be expressed through our life. This verse tells us, verse 21, that God's love compels a response from us, that we must show up. It says this, anyone who loves God must also, say must also, must also love their brother and sister. Today we have an opportunity to let love make an impact by giving to children. For you see, around the world, God's love is a plate of food and an open Bible. God's love is a plate of food and an open Bible. And this is what Convoy of Hope does around the world. They create these programs and these feeding programs where children can come and have a meal at a table and receive dignity and worth through a plate of food. They're able to eat and be fed physically. But then right after the meal is cleared, you know what they do? They open up the word of God and they tell, they tell children about Jesus. They tell children about Jesus. And you know, because a child has received a plate of food, they now have belief and credibility about who Jesus is. They truly believe, even though they don't have the fancy words to say it, they truly believe that, that Jesus is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. They truly believe. Because God's love is proven through a plate of food and an open Bible. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of going to Guatemala with Convoy of Hope to see their feeding program and to see what God is doing in the country through this organization. And then we went up into the mountains in the rural areas of Guatemala to a small village. And it was there that I met a young girl. Her name is Teresa. And when I saw her from the very first time, my heart was gripped by this young girl. There was light and hope in her eyes. What I learned about her as I talked to the family was she's 12 years old and she's one of 15 children. I also learned that 
Her father is the only one who earns any money in the family. And he works as a farmer with his hands to support a family of 17 on a daily wage of $6. Because of the size of her family and because of what he earns, they live in extreme poverty. Convoy of Hope is setting the table for Teresa and for her siblings. As I was talking to the leaders of Convoy of Hope in Guatemala, what I learned is that young girls like Teresa are the most at-risk children in all of the country. Why? Because she's Mayan. She happens to be part of a tribe that's underserved. Because she's a young girl. Parents, they'll send their son to school, but not their daughter. And these girls are vulnerable to exploitation. They're vulnerable. Some of these girls are offered jobs in the city, but what they don't realize is they're actually being trafficked. They're actually, many of them end up in a place in Guatemala City called La Linea where it's the red light district. But Convoy of Hope, one of the children that we're able to give to through our One Day to Feed the World, this feeding program has changed her life. The mom said, she said this, this feeding program is our lifeline. We're able to feed our kids because of this program. And they were so grateful. They were so grateful for just a plate of food. Because Convoy of Hope heard the heart of God for Teresa and her siblings. And even though I couldn't talk to Teresa because of a language barrier, she speaks a dialect that's not Spanish. God spoke to my heart. And he said, I want you to invite Westover to take care of Teresa. These young girls who are considered the invisible daughters of Guatemala, they're not loved or cared for. He said, invite Westover to take care of the children of Guatemala like they take care of their own children and grandchildren. And that's the invitation that God is inviting us to. He's inviting us to set the table for children. For you see these young girls in Guatemala, they're not seen, cared for. They're not paid attention to. And they wonder, does anyone see me? Does anyone hear me? Will anyone help me? Today, we have the opportunity to tell Teresa and all the young girls, all the invisible daughters of Guatemala, we see you, we hear you, and we will help you. We see you, we hear you, and we will help you. Today, we have the privilege, we have the privilege to give. Right now, I want to invite you to plow your heart. What do I mean? I want you to pray, listen, and obey, and God will give the wow. Pray, listen, and obey, and God will give the wow. Pray, listen, and obey, and God will give the wow. I want you to pray right now in your heart. Say, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me give to make a difference in the life of someone else? Pray, If we listen and obey, God will give the wow. 
because we're lending to the poor. We're lending to God and we're, God will repay us. He will bless us above and beyond. This passage tells us that generosity is supernatural. Through our giving, we're able to create a wow in the life of a child. But I also believe that God has a wow for you. There's a wow that he wants to create in your life and through your life. So I just invite you to plow your heart. Take a step of faith. For some of you, the step of faith is just to give. Just to give for the first time. For others of you, it's to give more than you gave last year. For others of you, it is to give the biggest offering you've ever given to take care of a child, to make a difference. I invite you to apply your heart. I want you to ask God what he would have you do because whatever God directs is exactly what you and I, we need to do. And so I invite you to plow your heart right now as we take a look at the beautiful children that God loves and died for in Guatemala. Take a look. what we need to know for $120 what it takes for us to take our family to the movies Convoy of Hope can feed a child for a year for $240 what it takes to take our family to SeaWorld or Fiesta Texas we can sponsor a child for a year for $2,000 we can sponsor all of Teresa's family I should invite you to ask God what you would do Pastor Danae and I, when we first started giving the Convoy of Hope, we would give one day's wage. And over time, it went to two days and then three days wage. Well, this year we plowed our heart and we asked God, what would you have us do? And God told us to give a week's wage. So joyously, we're giving one week's salary, both of us, to make a difference in lives of children around the world. I want us to notice though, that it's not about equal amounts, it's about equal sacrifice. Because whatever God's directed you to give is enough. It's what God has designated for you. We just invite you to 
give and be generous. There's four methods of giving here at Westover. We invite you to find the method that works best for you. For this entire offering this weekend, when it comes to our one-day offering, 100% of what's given to the one-day offering will go to Convoy of Hope to make a difference in the life of a child. And the key word is one day, one day. So if you're giving check or cash, we invite you to put it in an envelope that's found right where you're seated and just write one day on it. If you're giving via the website or you're giving uh, digitally, we invite you to designate it to our one-day fund. And if you're giving via text to give, just use the keywords one day and the amount that God has designated in your heart and it'll be designated to one day to feed the world. I'm believing that God's gonna give us the wow. I invite us to give now, give now, don't delay. Be willing to, to listen and obey and God will give us the wow. Right now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand together as a community of faith. And I want us to pray together to entrust this offering to God so that he can make a difference in the life of a child, so they can receive a plate of food and they can hear about Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, take what we give today Lord, multiply it like you did the five loaves and two fish to feed people that you died for. Lord, burden our heart. Burden our hearts for what breaks your heart, God. Help us see the need and meet the need, God. This church has been so generous, but Lord, may we be courageous to be generous once again. I pray, God, that as your people give, that you would reassure them that you will repay, that you will bless them. May they leave with joy in their heart because they partnered with you in the mission that you have for the poor and the needy. Lord, we entrust all of this to you. Take it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thank you so much, Westover, for your generosity to God and to God's people. I just want to make mention that if you are here and you'd like to meet Pastor Danae and I, will be at the Guest Central in the main lobby. Uh, also, I would love to invite you back next week. We'd love to share God's word with you, but also provide a report about what we've been able to do together. So be with us next week. God bless you, and we are dismissed. <laughs>